What up, everybody? Ryan Rucco, CC Sabathia here. A brand new episode of R2C2 about to come your way. Tom Brady, the goat of goats. CC is going to be watching a full season of one of my all-time favorites, One Tree Hill. See if C is as excited as I am about that. Plus, why Major League Baseball messed up on one key rule as we get ready to start this season. And we chat with Neka Gwumake, one of the smartest, most fun charismatic people you will hear from the president of the WNBA Players Association as well as a former MVP and champion. It's all coming up on the brand new R2C2. It starts right now. What's up, everybody? We back. R2C2, another week. What's good? I gave you a weird countdown for the start of this, man. <laughs> like I love I, it. I, I don't know why. I gave for some reason I gave C a countdown that's like three. Hey, cuz. Two. One time, listen. Yeah. One time earlier early in my Yankee career, um, you know how Bruce Beck used to do his show or he still does his show? Yeah, yeah NBC, like NBC Sunday on nights, Sundays, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you go to Del Frisco's, whatever. So we on the show and you know, we on the set, we just talking like this. Bruce is super Obviously, he's a good dude. He's you know yeah, super knowledgeable about, yeah. about sports and all that shit. And we on the set and like I I'm love feeling Bruce. good. Like, yeah. I used to get really nervous doing interviews. I would be sweaty and really. I still yeah, I still get sometimes. But well, so, I, I still sweat. I, I get the I get the zoom yeah. pits. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was um. So this day I'm feeling good. I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna sweat or nothing. Like Bruce got me feeling good. And then right before we about to kick off, he goes three, two, and. One and he turned into Anchorman, cause like he was, <laughs> cause it was like end scene, and he fucking turned into Anchorman, and I lost everything. I started sweating. I got so fucking nervous, cause I couldn't answer a question. Amber was over there fucking cracking up, cause oh it my was gosh. it was so he threw me off. Like we were having a good time just chatting, and he fucking went into character and fucked me up. We we gotta ask Bruce about that. We gotta oh, we gotta tell man, him. Oh man, cuz it, it fucked fly. me up, cuz. Oh, <laughs> you know what's funny? Like you talk about a guy who's just like liked by everyone. Bruce Beck's one of those dudes, man. He is. He, he is. He, he's just you like can't good, get mad at Bruce, man. He, he always asks good questions. He's always yeah. in a good mood. He's just a good. He is. He's just a good dude. That's really funny though. I could see that though, where you're like, right? And then boom, the lights go on. It's like he oh, just fucking oh. turned <laughs> it on. And I, I didn't. I, he left me. I, I was lost. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, man. That's great. Oh, well, so um, we're pumped for today's pod, continuing yes. with our Black History Month theme, where we are going to be speaking uh, to exclusively black women as our guests. We're going to chat with Neka Gumake, who uh, is a former number one overall pick in the WNBA, Stanford legend, uh, an MVP in the WNBA, a champion in the W, uh, has also was also rookie of the year a six-time All-Star, and is the president of the Players Association. She's just, I mean, see, I think our audience will will love listening to her. Yeah, for sure. She's going to live up to that resume. Like, she, you know, <laughs> she, she's, she's super cool, funny, and she's got some good overseas stories, too, so it should be fun. <laughs> she does. You guys are going to get a kick out of that. So we'll chat with NECA. Um, we'll get to Sling and Heat in a moment, but um, see, I hope you have been transporting yourself mentally to high school coming of age soap opera television because you my friend are going to be watching 
the entire first season of One Tree Hill and reporting on it on our podcast, thanks to me winning our Super Bowl bet. Are you ready for this, my friend? I'm not, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, that, that, that was a great Super Bowl, man. I knew I should have took Brady. Hard to get bet against Brady, but you know it is what it is. You gotta you gotta take your lump. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> so you you um I, I could see you quickly wanted to deviate away from what you're gonna have to be doing, but I'm gonna go well, back to it. Tree Hill? Dude, yeah, you you do know that like you know because of the timing, like this isn't one of those like all oh, one season's eight episodes. Like one season was like. 23 episodes or something like that. Oh, yeah. I, I know TV. I'm not worried about it. You know, it is <laughs> yeah. what it is. But this is what I think we should do, see? I think each week you should have, you know, you should have to watch a couple episodes each week. And each week on R2C2, there should be a little recap from you about what you've watched and, and how I'm you're feeling about that. the characters. I'll, tell, I, you, I'll I, tell you the episodes that I watched, but I'm not doing that. You know, come on. You don't need a little recap. Tell us how you're feeling about... Chad we may, get a, we may get a recap every other episode, but okay, every other right. episode of R2C2. All right, that's fair. I'll sign for that. We get a little and, recap and I'll be every reporting other on how many black people I see in this show. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh my that's what the real report is going to be about. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. But you know what? Then, then maybe we'll have to have a nice cast reunion at the end to talk so about then, the experience. So then we're only gonna have it's only gonna be one update, Dan. If if, if I'm talking, <laughs> if I'm counting how many black people is on the show, I can just tell there's you a, at the end, right? There's a, there's a there's a couple. There's a couple. It's it's not the the most diverse cast, but there's and I'm a not couple. talking about the black dude walking behind in the scene. He's got to actually have like a fucking <laughs> speaking lines, lines in the show. Yes, <laughs> got you. Yeah, no, no. Skills is a big character on the show. Right. Uh, and skills is black. Um, Antoine Turner is the actor's name or Tanner. Um, so, uh, but see, I, I can't wait to have you reporting on One Tree Hill. But we'll start with <laughs> Sling and Heat. How about, uh, uh, you know, I know Super Bowl is your first topic for Sling and Heat. Yeah. What, you know, what's your biggest takeaway? See, what's the what's my, the heat you're slinging off that game? My biggest takeaway is that, that obviously Brady's the go, right? Brady is... Um, for me, the best athlete ever to me that, that I've got a chance to witness. And I'm putting him over Jordan. Jordan's my number one all time, but I got to put Brady over Jordan at this point. Um, and, and two, uh, Pat Mahomes is a fucking animal, cuz. Like, he was, I mean, they were on his ass, cuz, like, from, from play one. And, and, and he was still getting balls off, cuz, like, he still was giving them a chance to win, cuz, like, it was insane to watch that dude run for his life, mm -hmm. like, and still get balls off, like, still throwing spirals and still hitting guys in the face mask in the chest. And it was, man, he's an animal. Like, it was crazy. Travis Kelsey had a, had a big game, obviously, but like, the the Tampa Bay defense, what they were able to do, and and, and Todd Boyles coming up with that game plan. But man, Pat Mahomes is an animal, cause, and I don't think we've seen the last of him by any stretch. Like, no. we may get that repeat in the Super Bowl next year, cause. I mean, absolutely. I mean, his effort, cuz, like, it, his it, effort alone oh, was I, the MVP of the game for me, cuz. Like, seriously, <laughs> that shit wasn't like, he was out there playing by himself, cuz. That shit was crazy. Did, did you see the stat about, there was something about the amount he ran? Oh, 497 yeah, yards, yeah, cuz, yeah, before yeah, he like got sacked most, or let and, the ball go. 
Yeah, and most any quarterbacks run since 2016 in a game. 497 yards he ran before he got sacked to let the ball go the other day. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. And you're right. Kudos to Todd Bowles. Came up with an amazing game plan. The Tampa Bay defensive line just dominated, dominated. Kansas City. I mean, Fisher going down clearly killed Kansas City's offensive line. And and Tampa's defense is, has obviously shown their stuff throughout the playoffs. Uh, and then Tampa's offensive line was fantastic. Yes, they I were. Mean, yeah. They were incredible. And then Brady was great. And look, it's it, it is also a skill, right, to be able to pick your situation, get people to want to come play with you, elevate everyone around you. Tom Brady also has that skill too, you know, like Yeah, that's and, a GM and, skill. That's the yeah. GM skill I was talking about. Yeah, for sure, but and even like the teams that he beat this year at 43 years old, the quarterbacks that he beat yeah, he beat man. the three best quarterbacks in the league, guys. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he beat Aaron Rodgers. He beat fucking uh, Drew Brees. Uh, older Drew Mahomes. Brees. But, 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 you know, and Pat Mahomes. Like, you know, it's crazy. I mean, I think he did a good job, too, of, of picking the NFC because he didn't want to have to go through Pat Mahomes or Lamar to get to the Super Bowl now. You know what I'm saying? Like, he'll meet them in the Super Bowl. Obviously, he's got the best team in the NFC now. He's, you know, uh him and Aaron Rodgers. He's yeah. still going to have to go through but, Aaron Rodgers. But, it, but, it, it, uh, but it, I, I think they win one more in the next two years, guys. I, I think they will, too. And what, They win one more in the next two years. This is what I do like. Look, Megan and Sue talked about this a little bit when they were on with us, see? But, like, we haven't recalibrated the way we look at age when it comes to athletes in today's day and age, right? When it comes to sort of, like, the investment that athletes make in their bodies— um, you know, nutrition, fitness, awareness. Tom Brady is like on a meta level. Like he, I mean, he's he's in another stratosphere when it comes to this stuff. And when he a couple years ago talked about wanting to play till he was 45, everybody was talking about how, you know, oh, you know, this guy's delusional, whatever. Well, this dude has won, he's won three more Super Bowls since he made those comments, you know? Hey, listen. Like, or four it, it, more, it, maybe even. You know, it's, it's a crazy. different and it's a different game too because he you can't hit the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Even even in the in the sacks that that Tampa was getting on Mahomes, he was getting up saying, "Oh, they hit me." In the, you know what I'm saying? So like him being able to he could play till he's fucking fifty because they yeah. don't hit the quarterback anymore. But do you remember like, see, pe- even, people even laughed at Brett him. Favre, of course, yeah, because because even when Brett Favre went to to the Vikings when he went to Minnesota, he was still great. If if he played under these rules that they play now, Favre could have played till he was fifty because. His arm was still good. He was still moving around. He just yeah. got crushed in that game against the Saints, and it yeah. was over. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Brady, yeah. If Brady takes one hit, he's fucked. Just like uh, Drew Brees. Drew yeah. Brees broke his ribs, punctured his lung, cuz when he yeah. got, ta- you know what I'm saying, at this yeah. age. So if they can keep him upright and he don't get hit, motherfucker can play forever, cuz. And, 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 and they don't hit the quarterbacks anymore in this game. And, and this guy is maniacal about keeping himself at the top of his craft. It's it's incredible. Like, it, it it is it is absolutely ridiculous. I remember talking to Patriots fans last year, and they're like, oh, man. Like, acting like, they were acting like Brady was the was reason done. they didn't win the Super Bowl yeah, last year. Yeah. And, and now this, this dude goes to Tampa and wins it. We should try and get Brady on to see, you know, if nothing else, would he send more of the protein powder, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell you something about this, what's going on, too. Like, I don't know if it's the media or whoever else, but I'm gonna need Brian to stop trying to put his 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 name in there with Brady, cause like stop that <laughs> shit, bro. 
Like, let's stop that right now. Like, you can't keep, like, him tweeting goat talk and all that. Like, yeah. come on, man. Like, this guy's won seven. You won four out of ten. He's won seven out of ten. Like, let's not try to put, like, like we're not, you're not the same. No that, one is. Nobody's like this guy, because, like, stop. Yeah. Like, LeBron, stop trying to put yourself with Brady, because, and I don't know if it's him doing it or us as the media trying to, like, lump them together, but Brady is not with anybody, bro. So, like, just stop that now. Well, this is why when people are having the, I like that, when people are having the conversation about Brady, like, is he the GOAT in all sports? And I'm like. He's the GOAT in all yeah. sports, guys. Well, I'm, I'm like, because think about this. What he has accomplished in this sport is so outrageous compared to what anybody else has accomplished in their individual sports. Like, you could talk about what, like, you could you could go to a sport. I know Ryan Rosillo is talking about this on his pod today on the Ringer Podcast Network, and I was on with him as a guest as well, and we didn't get into this conversation, but I just knew it was going to be in it. And, and, like, it's like, yeah, you could go to these other sports, right? Like, even golf, right? Like, there is, like, you know, it is an individual sport, and there is like Tiger with Nicholas. Like they're they are kind of like neck and neck. There are, there are a couple guys we've seen doing that. Like in tennis, like you know Serena, Sampras, Nadal, Federer. Like they all kind of are like around the same stratosphere. I know Serena has a twenty three, but yeah, they're Serena's all around. A, Serena's on a different planet. Okay, so Serena's on a different planet than those other guys. But I'm saying there are there are people who have had these ridiculously. In that sport, you do yes. see these periods of dominance like that. Yes. In the NFL, there's nothing close to this. There is nothing close to this. Montana four for four, but it's not. It's not even close anymore. Nah, it's like, not it's, even. It's, and, it's and not, for me, it's like not close for him to change uniforms, because like normally goats win their championships like all in one uni. Yeah. Whether it's Jordan or fucking. Uh, Kobe or or Jeter, you know what I'm saying, or Montana, Jerry Rice, like they in that one uniform. This motherfucker went down to Tampa because, like, he went down and took a seven and nine team, talented team, talented team, but he went down there and like it just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's guys. crazy. It's, it's unbelievable. Crazy. It, it's it crazy. really is unbelievable because there's no there's. Nobody's no compared to this guy. There's no, no comp. there's no Cause, fucking cop. Because to your point about the basketball stuff, right? Like LeBron, what he's doing and done and everything, obviously, is unbelievable. And maybe if he plays another seven years or something, and you were like, oh my gosh, like we really have never seen this, it could be. But as of now, as spectacular as he is, and he is spectacular, we do have comps, you know, right? Like we do, we do have Jordan and what he did, you right. know, and we we have you seen do other, got, you, you have Kobe, like you, you do have other individual players who have been able to win titles like this, right? You do have Russell, right? You do have, you know, we have seen guys dominate like that. There's no NFL, there's no player, there's there is no player who we've seen have championship success the way that Tom Brady has, Man, like it's, 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 in the NFL. It's, and there's no way you can just hate on the guy. Like, it, like for me, like, so many people to know that I'm a Brady fan text me and it's like, man, now I can't hate on him. What you mean now? After he won seven? Like, five wasn't good enough? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. It, like, man, and, and you know me, like, I turned on ESPN immediately and, like, I had to hear, like, New Yorkers are so stubborn about their their hate for Brady. Like, they won't come out of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, Max Kellerman's. But you have to. You got. Yeah. You, I mean, everybody on that group chat. You motherfuckers have to because it ain't nothing yeah. you can say. Yeah. Uh, he Max Kellerman's on there talking about how 
Eli had a greater run than Brady had this year. Like, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to hear none of that shit, bro. Like, don't compare anybody to Brady anymore. I don't want to hear it, man. It's, it's no fucking... Well, no, you know what, though? Here you go. Here go your in New the, York it, bullshit. Well, here just in an individual here postseason. In an individual postseason with Philly right B, I can, I can buy so it. So now you're about to compare Eli it. to Brady. Get the no, fuck out of here. No, 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 no. Get the it, fuck you, out of here, I mean, man. You can't compare Eli to Brady. Eli's 2-0 and against Brady. That wouldn't be fair to Tom. <laughs> I'm kidding, folks. I'm I love kidding. it. I love uh, it. That's yeah, that New York shit right yeah. there. But you know what? I even I look. I used to be a big Peyton's better than Tom guy. I was no always a Peyton over chance. Tom guy. And then at some point, I'm just like, well, I, obviously it's Tom. You know, it's it's like it, I wasn't I a Peyton fan when he that. could he could never beat Florida, cause and then T Martin came behind him the next year and beat Florida, and won a national championship. So, uh, so uh, like I were off Peyton. That, I was off Peyton early, well, cause Bra- early. Brady, Brady just joined Peyton as the only quarterbacks to. Uh, Win Super Bowls with two different teams. With two different starter. teams, yeah. yeah. But but Brady actually won the MVP, and fucking Von Miller won won Manning that that MVP. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, Super Bowl. I mean, that's the other thing that Brady's not only it's not like he's a passenger on this. Voyage, that's what I'm saying. You know like, I mean? he's, like he's winning the game. Still the captain, you know. Like I think where LeBron he, he, he went from being the passenger. Like early, he was yeah. just hand the ball off, let the defense yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, to being you know. Yeah. What's interesting is like because LeBron's still so good at his age. And I do think we talked about like LeBron and his age way too early because it's like he was 32 and we're like, oh, you know, it's like a lot of tread on the tire. Like he's 32, you know, but like, but if he like, if he's still dominating the league at like 40, you know, 41, 42, then we're going to be like, whoa, you know, this is like. Yeah, because we've never seen that. Yes, You know what I'm saying? We've never seen a 40 year old go crazy in the NBA, lead the league in minutes and points and all of that shit. So exactly. yeah, of course, of course we'll readjust at that point, but that's four yeah. years from now. So we'll see. Brady yeah, we'll might have see. two more rings by then, guys. <laughs> he you might. Know what I'm he might. He really might. <laughs> that that Florida Sun's only going to further, uh, you know, enliven his, uh, his, man, I, his I, body. I, I text Gene. I was like, man, I hope you got insurance on that house. They about to fuck that house up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. That is another great part of this, that Tom Brady is renting Derek Jeter's house. Right, and and Antonio Brown's living in there with him, too. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Oh, So, see, uh, next up, Sling and Heat. How about New York? Open it up to... 10% 10% capacity for fans uh, as, as of February 23rd. There you go, man. Are you gonna? Are you hitting up your contacts already? Get me there? Absolutely. Uh, as yeah. soon as I heard that, yep. Uh, yep. I've, been, uh, I've been holding my course side fits for a whole year, so I'm ready to get back to the games. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. And, and it'll be fun to get the baseball games this summer, too. That, that was something, I swear, man, like, I, honestly, the last, uh, all of 2019, the whole summer, I would just stare in the legends, like, and be like, mm-hmm. "Man, I, I can't wait to just go sit in legends and like mm-hmm. eat food and watch the game on a on a fucking you know nice little summer day at Yankee Stadium." So I'm looking forward to like being a fan at Yankee Stadium too. So that's gonna be fun. Amen, man. Um, I love this. I think this is the right decision. I hope to see our situation continue to improve so that capacity can grow uh, in the months to come, and we have much more than ten percent. At Yankee Stadium as we get into the summer, um, you know, hopefully the pandemic's in that place where we can. Um, you know, I think. Can I get a Can I get a little COVIDy for you for a second? See, can I do you that always, for you? You always do. Yeah. Okay. Good. So th- this is what I think about that. Like, and you know how how I consume my information. Uh, first of all, 
uh, by and large, and I am not a scientist, but from uh, very you know smart people, by and large, these vaccines are still very efficacious against um, the new strains. And you know, there's a really you know at least now there's promising data on it. The vaccine stopping transmission, or at least you know, very much so stopping transmission, very much so stopping infection, right? And reducing even for the other strains illness to uh, be mild or asymptomatic, even if it doesn't completely keep you from being infected. At some point, at some point, we will have to recalibrate our minds to a place where it's like if you've been vaccinated and you know, okay, even if I got it, it'll only be mild. Like, do I like still proceed with my life as normal? Right. Yes. Because 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 you may never get to a place where it's totally eradicated. And yeah. so you're going to have to at some point get to a place where you're comfortable with it, meaning a diminished version of what it was. The other thing I think is, you know, a lot of these decisions, these public health decisions were made to make sure that the healthcare system does not get overrun. Once you get to a point where that is no longer in jeopardy or in danger, now it's just about personal choices and individual choices. And so you may not feel comfortable going to a game. You may not feel comfortable being around somebody who's going to a game. That's a personal choice. Are we at a point where that all of a sudden puts the healthcare system in danger or it be, or it's at danger of being a super spreader event? No. And so I'm glad logic in this case is winning out. And I hope that we continue to, you know, scale up our vaccinations and we get to a place where there is more and more immunity and the amount of fans can grow and grow because the healthcare system is no longer you know, under pressure and it's a personal choice. And it, and then it's like up to you what you're comfortable with and what you're not. And, yeah. and you know, and, and that's then, and, where and, and, I want to and evolve that, to. And, and that you'll have some people staying in the house and then you'll have some people cutting loose yeah. and, get, and getting going. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And it's like, you know, vaccinated people may be like, hey, I'm totally cool being around each other. But like maybe if you're not vaccinated, you're like, eh, you know, I'm going to have to be a little more careful, you know, or, you know, whatever it might be. But at that, at that point, it's a personal choice, right? And yeah. so I'm, I'm, man. I'm glad I, to see some fans back in there because I don't think it's a danger. No, and, and I just want to get back to like I'm I'm ready to travel, bro. Like I retired I know, man. to fucking move around. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like yep. first time yep. to be able to do some shit and I've been stuck in a house. So I'm ready to fucking stop lifting weights and starting to travel. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent, man. One hundred percent. I, I totally agree. And look, all this is within the context of things getting better, not worse, and having respect for the virus, which we both have. But of course, we're all ready for that. It's been a long time, you know, when it can be done safely, when it can be done without pressuring the healthcare system, uh, then I think that is something we all can can celebrate. And hopefully it gets better and better from here, man. No doubt. I can't, I can't wait. Um, all right. The other uh, thing, see, uh, hopefully this means, you know, we're going to see fans in the stands at Yankee Stadium, hopefully more and more as the season goes along. Um, spring training starting, man. Yeah, how, how fuck. Are you, how, isn't that crazy? How Now, what do you think about what you saw with the rules, the health and safety protocols, and all of that? I, I, I'm good with it. Like, I, I like, um, you know, that they eased up on the health and safety protocols a little bit. Guys can leave the hotel, go for a walk, go to um, lunch outside. That's good for mental health, bro. Like, mm -hmm. playing a baseball mm -hmm. season and being locked in a hotel or in a house is fucking horrible. Yeah. So there's no way guys are gonna get through 162 locked in. You know what I'm saying? So it's good that 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 um they figured that out. Love the um, you know, I love the 
the guy at second base um, yep. to start the the extra innings. Um, love the seven inning double headers. I think they fucked up not putting the DH in the National League, bro. Uh, uh, I really just don't enjoy watching pitchers hit. Yeah, like, who does? This shit is fucking terrible. No one does. And 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 you know, it's just a couple teams that I feel like, you know, I, you know, I'm got really close with Dom Smith over the last year, and I would love to see him not have to play left field. Like yeah. the guy's the first baseman. Like let him play first base. Let Pete DH. You know what I'm saying? So like. It's a bunch of teams in the league that that nationally DH would would help solve. You know, Justin Turner will probably have a team. Yeah, if he could be, if he could DH. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, so so this different. You know, I I just fuck man. Put the DH in the national league. Like, yeah. we don't want to watch the pitcher hit because and it helps create more jobs for the players. It's better. I understand the league sees it as a carrot that they're giving the players because of the point you just made, and so they want something in return. But the reality fuck, is. The reality is, and I and I get it, and I get the machinations of you know CBAs. But and everything, all that. everything but, is a everything, any everything is not a negotiation. This is for the betterment of the game. That's we're all going to benefit from this, yes. guys. Yes, this that's is not a point. carrot that you dangle. That we no, this is for everybody. Guys. Yeah, like yeah. dangle something else. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like not this fucking DH where it's going to help everybody. It helps the yeah. league. I I totally agree. See, there it, there is no one involved with baseball who it doesn't help to have the DH in both leagues. Makes the game better, makes the game more interesting, gives more good players jobs. For me, I agree, no-brainer, no questions asked. And it, and it uh, makes some of these national league teams better. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like 100%. Like, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers lineup would be better if they could if they could have a DH. 100%, man, 100%. Um, all right, see, today we get to chat with six-time All-Star, WNBA champion, an MVP, a former number one overall pick, an incredibly Stanford alum. Yeah, Stanford alum, a smart, fun, interesting, uh, just really awesome woman, Neka Gumake, who's also the president of the Players Association. Uh, we love this conversation. She has amazing stories about playing overseas, about kind of what's next for the WNBA, how they grow the league. Um, her experience being recruited to college, which is funny, uh, and the influence of growing up with uh, Nigerian parents and and the things that they instilled in her that have allowed her to succeed. I think people are going to love this conversation. So without further ado, here is Neka Gumake on R2C2. You good, C? Yes, sir. You good, NECA? I'm great. We just we, we just dive right in, as I told you. So I, I gave I gave NECA the lay of the land, see? Oh, of, nice. Of R2C2. <laughs> apparently, NECA, I hope we don't do to you what we apparently did to Renee Montgomery, which was drive her right into retirement after appearing on <laughs> R2C2. <laughs> did so, she retire? She retired. She retired oh, this week. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. I think free agency has been eventful enough. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know what? I I'm thinking that like, it's interesting because now I've done the WNBA. This is, I think going to be my eighth season. And when it's maybe it's even going to be my ninth. It's one or the other. But when it started, like, I feel like free agency, it, there wasn't that much movement. You didn't see a ton mm -hmm. of player movement, ton of stars going from one place to the next. Now, 
I mean, it's massive. Uh, And I wonder for you as the Mm -hmm. president of the Players Association, if seeing this, and we get to the money part and seeing how much better the money is now too, but just seeing the movement, is it kind of like, yes, this is what I envisioned. It's all playing (laughs) out now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I I thought about it last year, even, you know, when we started seeing more player movement, um, especially with even like Moan coming to our team. And I was like, oh, shoot, you know, maybe this this thing that we did with player engagement and CBA and conversation is heading us in the direction that we want to see the league going, you know, because I think, and I feel like Ryan, you can even speak to this. It's like, you know, each year we don't want to keep focusing on like the same narratives and like, you know, it's nice to have stories to talk about and not just because of the movement that's happening, but then also the history of, of everybody that's involved, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree. I feel like every there's a jolt that comes from it, you know, like, see, see, even think about your movement to this team. Yeah, no, but every sport, the the movement drives the storylines. You know what I'm saying? Especially in the off season, the free agency, the draft, you know, people getting traded. So yeah, you need the movement of the league or the players. Like you said, like Durant going to the Nets or, you know, Harden getting, you know what I'm saying? Like those things drive the headlines of, of the sports for sure. Right. Yeah. They do. And I think about it even like NECA. So this offseason, if I think about so today, there was a massive trade, right? Natasha Howard mm-hmm. ends up going to New York. Now it's like, OK, I want to see Sabrina Unescu healthy with Howard. What that going to look like with the New York Liberty playing at Barclays Center? You know, Candice, your teammate going to Chicago. What's it going to look like for her? She's a right. megastar, you know, back home. Like there's a there's 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 things you can sink your teeth into and hold on to now that I, I don't think necessarily we were seeing with the league. We weren't seeing that kind of movement before, were we? No. I, I, I mean, I feel like the only time we ever saw movement like that was when someone was cored and they forced them, <laughs> they forced the team <laughs> to let them go where they want to go, you know? And I, I think um, ultimately, you know, everything serves its, serves its purpose, but I think we're also evolving. I mean, like, even I have been, I, I've been cored, you know, and... Mm. And, and I'm I just going to jump in real quick, Nick, and let the audience know in case they don't know that term. Think of like being oh, court yeah. as like a as like a franchise tag in football, yeah. if you will, just to keep it right. keep it as simple as possible for people. It means that it means you have you have retained the rights to that to that player. They're not an unrestricted free agent. Exactly, exactly. And I I think that like you know even in our CBA, as we kind of move away from that, um, although you know it couldn't be just such a clean break. You know, I feel as though that would have been abrupt. But um, moving away from that core, I think, is what's going to help us continue to experience these movements. Obviously, the salary cap going up is going to help with these movements. Um, but ultimately, you know, we're, we're starting to get to the, to the meat of, of things, you know. We're starting to get to the crux of what makes sports exciting, you know. Mm. And, and it's, it's exciting for us, you know. I, you, you know, a lot of people don't realize that in a lot of ways, as a player, like I'm scrolling, and I'm like, what? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's fun to see that. And and then also, of course, internally to be able to like talk to people and understand like why people made certain moves, congratulate people, celebrate people, and then be competitive. See, were you a big recruiter during free agency periods? Like where like where you were like I know you would come in sometimes for like a closing conversation or whatever, yeah. but were you like plant seeds early, like Hey, what would you think about coming to New York this off season? All the time, but yeah, I, but, yeah. I mean, you always recruiting constantly. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, especially the good players. Like, I, I mean, I talked to Gary Cole for the whole All-Star game two years ago about coming to New York. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, every conversation I would steer it to, well, you know, in New York, you can do this. Or, you know what I'm saying? And I knew I wasn't even going to be on the team. Like, I was retiring, but I wanted him to come to New York. So, yeah, I mean, and I just think about, like, me, even the first, the uh, like, A-Rod recruiting me. You mm-hmm. know, I was running in an outfit at, at Steinbrenner, and he was like, man, we, we would love to get you here. And that was the first time I had ever, you know, even thought about playing for the Yankees. I was like, man, A-Rod was like, I wanted me for the, in the pinch I'm like, I'm in there. You know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you're constantly recruiting as a player for sure. You, right. You've been ha- having those conversations, Neko, where you're just like testing the water a little bit. Yeah, and, and you know, like for me, like I'm not the type of person that's like, hey, you know, so what do you think? Like, I'm that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> that's not me. I'm always the type of person that people hit up and like have questions for. Mm. And so in this free agency, I had several players hit me up, like, hey, what's going on down there? You know, like, what's up? Yeah. And um, just asking, like are you going back? Like, I need to know if you're going to be there and, and other players are going to be there and, and understanding that everybody has, everybody has what's important to them, you know, and having those conversations, it's so, it's like drastically different from getting Mm -hmm. recruited in college because college, it's like, it feels more kind of like transactional ish, you know, like, you know, it feels, it actually feels more contractual in college than it does. Yeah. As a, as a player. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, you are about to sign your life away. That's like what it feels like in college. But then over here, it's like, it's like, hey, you want to win together? Like, what's up? Like, come on, let's, let's come That's down true. to LA. I never you know? thought about it. Like, college yeah. is way more, like, grimy. Way more <laughs> transactional, for sure. Like, yeah, you, you feel, you feel, yeah, you feel way, you feel way, you feel uh, bad about your college pick. Just you feel, I don't know, it's weird, because they all over you all the time. With, with the, with the, the pros... They present their case, and then you get to make a choice. You know what I'm saying? Most of the right. time, you talk to other players and see if you can fit. With college, it's just like they on you all the time. So you feel like it's a weird move. Like you said, you're signing your life away. Right, right. It's almost like I'm thinking it's like it's funny because it is the one time where like the persistent text messages. It's like college coaches have to do the exact opposite of any dating advice you would ever give, right? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like you would never be like, no. And then you and then you get a call, and then you could just show up at their game. They yeah. won't even know you're gonna be there. You're gonna surprise them, and then like you're gonna be celebrating a big moment in the locker room, and you're gonna Facetime them, and then like, and all the time they might say no. You don't know if they even want you. It's like, ah, uh, like right, no, no. But how naked that actually? I mean, I have a million questions about being president of the of the. Uh, Players Association for the W and this this CBA, you know, the free agency is just one aspect of the way it's manifesting. But since you brought up college, like how how were you recruited to Stanford? Because obviously Tara Vanderveer, you know, winning his coach in in NCAA history, um, but you know, recently passing uh, Pat Summit. Um, but you know, there's I, I think. Stanford obviously has a prestigious program, but there's obviously there's Tennessee, there's UConn, you know, there's so many schools. What you know, what kind of grimy tactics did they use? No, what kind of, how did they get how did they get you, Nick? What made you want to go there? Stanford did things that no other school did. You know, like there were always kind of these like, whoa, like we have this, we have that. But Stanford was very upfront, like, this is who we are. We know that we're at Stanford, so it's not going to be plain Jane. You know, it's not going to be just one plus one equals two. 
And, you know, they would send me like in my, in like, cause I was, I was very much, I, I went to Stanford for a reason. I was very much a nerd. So like, I loved filling out all the questionnaires. And so they sent me like, amazing. who loves to fill out the questionnaires? <laughs> oh my that was, that was me. I would like stack them up and be like, which one's next? So Stanford That's would send me like puzzles, questionnaires and such. And then um, on my official that will like, I kind of like, I don't know, you know, you know that, you know, the age old saying, when you know, you know, like yeah. I had, I had landed at Stanford. I hadn't even like, when I got off the plane, like I, I knew like without mm. even going on my official. And so um, the trip like was amazing. But to be honest, I'll say that, that it was incredibly thought through, but because they knew how important my family was, the, the official visit felt like they were recruiting my parents, not me. <laughs> yeah. And I just smart, thought that, smart, smart. right. And so I just thought that that was so incredibly amazing how like in depth they were. I mean, like down to us going to the football game and having like a tailgate with all of the Nigerian athletes. And I was uh... like, wow. Of course, then my parents were like, this is where you need to go. You know? <laughs> and it was just, they, they were so incredibly thoughtful in, yeah. in the seemingly like small, simple details. Yeah. And I was just like, oh yeah, I want to be a part of this. That's awesome. What, yeah. <laughs> what kind of, like, I mean, just just looking at and, and you know, your, your your other sister, Erica, has also been drafted to the WNBA. Looking at, you know, you and Chanae and getting to know you both a little bit over the years, you are both the kind of ridiculously talented, smart people that I feel like everybody is always like, man, your parents did such a great job. Like, oh, <laughs> my goodness, your parents did an amazing job. What, what, what were the kind of messages that your parents instilled in you growing up that, you know, have allowed you to blossom into this, you know, force of a woman that you are? Sure. So, I mean, like, I would have to definitely say that, like, the foundation of being Nigerian-American was, it was serious. You know, it was solid. And in that, you know, education was primary. Education mm. was huge. That was the vehicle to get to where, you know, you want to you want to go in a successful life. And, and then through that, of course, understanding what being well-rounded was incredibly important. So, you know, we went to school, we got good grades, but then, okay, what what other clubs are you in? What other extra, extracurriculars are you in? Um, you know, what sports do you like? Everyone's playing an instrument. You know, that that was that was very much the foundation of our upbringing. It was being able to be excellent in everything that we did. It doesn't necessarily mean like winning everything or being the best, but bringing your best in mm. everything that we did. And so through that, um, I was able to, I was able to dabble in a lot of things, especially in sports. Um, but we all played the piano. We were all in student council. We were all <laughs> like, it, honor roll was like standard. Um, <laughs> and and uh, through that, you know, I was able to kind of not just discover what I loved doing and my passions, but then also discovered who I was, you know. Um, I mean, Ryan, you've been following, you've been, you've been covering us for such a long time. Like, I haven't always been like this. I kind of grew into this type of person, into this woman mm -hmm. that I am. And I think it comes from having the um, installation of confidence, excellence, and integrity in our upbringing. Mm -hmm. what, what other sports did you play um, growing up? 
Um, so I played, I started off in gymnastics and obviously that didn't work out. Well, I mean, it wasn't, that it didn't work out, but it just wasn't the best fit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, I got into basketball and then I started playing volleyball as well. And I, I did track too. So in, in, in high school, um, I did all three sports. Um, and when I got to Stanford, they were trying to get me to do volleyball and basketball. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just thought that that would be a little too much, so <laughs> I stuck with basketball. What were mom and dad saying about that? Were they, like, Neca, you could do this. You could do, you could do both <laughs> these sports. I mean, <laughs> they were, they were definitely like, I mean, you can, you can try, but like, you know, balance is key, and and yeah. I think that, um, you know, I had this idea of like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to Stanford and Tara's the coach, and I, I want to be a hundred percent in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just was like, you know, let me just, let me just give basketball. Focus, 100%. lock in on this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, what's interesting though, about just like hearing, you know, the different things you were involved in growing up and then you make your decision of, of like, okay, now's my time to hone in on this. Right. And I do believe that there are, um, for whatever reason in the last 15, 20 years, Right there's been this focus from parents where they're kind of going the opposite way with kids, right? Where they're like, you're going to just focus on this sport and you, this, you're going to do this all, you know, 24 seven. And this is how you're going to get ahead. It's terrible. And, yeah. and C and I talk about this all the time, NECA, like you, that is, that is a, a recipe for disaster for your kid actually developing in that sport. You want them to, you know, like right. being, right. having that balance, as you say, like it develops you, not just like uh, within that sport, but as a whole person. And when you have those skills, then it's going to help you within that career as well. Right, right. And I think uh, I think also too, like there's a difference between guiding and directing when it comes to kids, you know. And you said, you know, like you said it best, like it's it's a recipe for disaster because it starts with the parent wanting the child to do something, and like it's not that's just not how it's going to work. Now, of course, if you put your kid, which is what happened to me. Like my parents put me in basketball. I wasn't really asking to do it, but I wasn't saying no, but they were like, try it. And I was like, yeah. and we, we would never raise to walk away from, I guess, like a new opportunity. That's what I, that's how I kind of put it. Yeah. So I walked to my first practice. I walked in and I was like, I wasn't prepared to practice, but they're like, hop in. And I was like, Oh God, no. And I, <laughs> I mean, I was there, they kept asking. And so I was just like, okay, let me just do it. And at the end of the day, even if I didn't want to play basketball, I was going to finish that one practice, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my parents, I think my parents were okay with that. But then like, you know, they know how to encourage you to be able to do certain things that they see might be good for you. And my parents did a really great job of that. They never were like, you have to do this, mm-hmm. but they were at my games giving me a lot of great feedback, letting me know, like, you need to be aggressive, like, you need to be assertive. And that allowed me to develop the confidence for me to say, like, okay, in high school, like, I like volleyball, too. Like, let me play volleyball. You're like, I, I want to run track. Like, let me run track as well. And let me run for student council, you know. But if it starts from a source of someone else wanting you to do something, more, more oftentimes than not, it's not going to work out well. And it's going to ruin that relationship. Like, I was forced to play. Boom. Like, I was yeah. forced to play sports. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And my, my kids, I don't I don't force them. Like, my mm-hmm. oldest is a, is a baseball nut. Sports nut. Like, he's probably at the gym right now. But I don't force him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if he wants to not play, he cannot play. 
my daughter um, just made the JV basketball team, but mm-hmm. and I knew she was good at basketball from the time she was little. But I never once said, Jaden, you got to play basketball. Like, she figured that shit out on her own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. Like, let me go try out. Like, and now yeah. we're there supportive at every game, but it's her choice and it's fun. Like, when they this age, it's just got to be fun, man. Like, it's a job for us. It's a job. Yeah. Basketball is yeah. a job for you. Baseball yeah. <laughs> was a job for me for not, baseball was a job for 19 years. Like, yeah. don't make it a job when they 12. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it makes no sense, bro. It's crazy. Exactly. And the Maybe. other sports make you a better athlete anyway. Yeah. That you know is saying? 100% true. Joe Girardi, CeCe's old manager, used to always talk about that. Like, that was one of the things he used to talk about when people talk about pitching injuries. Bro, is look he, at Pat Mahomes. Like, look yeah, at Pat, right. Pat Mahomes played, is a baseball played, player, cuz. Yeah, exactly. That's why he right. can run around and throw the ball laying down like that because he played the middle infield. You know what right. I'm saying? Aaron Rodgers, the same thing. Like, those, the other sports make you a better athlete, period. Uh, 100%. And I think even developing muscularly correctly, you know, all of that. Neck, are you like a a diehard Houston sports fan? I'm, I won't say diehard. I'm loyal though. Okay. All right. I'm a a loyal Houston sports fan. So like, I love them. I love them even when they suck. Or or, or even when, even when they cheat CC out of a ring. I wasn't even going to bring that up. I I was not going to bring that up. But since since you said it, Ruko. You know what? I have nothing to do with any of that. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say that. I have nothing to do with that. The truth will set you free. (laughs) Amen. Neka, did you grow up going to Houston Comets games at all? So I went to a few Houston Comets games, um, and then I grew up watching a lot of the Rockets, too. Mm. Uh, we didn't really go to as many, like, uh, professional sports games as we did watch them on TV. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I was very familiar with the Comets. Did they have any influence on you wanting to be a WNBA player yourself? I'm not going to lie, Ryan. I didn't know that I wanted to play in the WNBA until, like, my senior year at Stanford. Wow. Wow, really? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why and and how did that happen then where you're finally like, oh, I should do this? I mean, I think based on my upbringing and my environment, like we did it as a family. We didn't know that was really a thing. Like we knew that the WNBA was there, Mm -hmm. but we didn't know that it was like an avenue for me, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think that when I got into, when I got into Stanford, um, I had resources in my coaches and of course, like former players, like Wiggs came in and was talking to me about the W um Chanae, of course who developed that that sports bug early was like you can be the first draft pick do you know that and i was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like I that was a great impression by the way <laughs> i was like all right cool um but yeah i wasn't i think it was literally just you know me not me being ignorant to it you know like i didn't mm-hmm. know and so once that opportunity kind of came to mind then I was like, oh, this is a thing. And then, of course, like when they're like, you can play overseas, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you, did you play overseas or no? Did you go? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I played overseas. So my, my rookie year, I played in Poland. And then the year after that, I played in China. And then I, I was in Russia for four years wow. after that. And I played in China one more year. I was actually supposed to. So the year that I, the last year I played in China was in 19. And I was supposed to go back last spring, but obviously. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. So wow. yeah. What made you play in Poland? Um, you know what, Ryan? This is actually funny. So my cousin, he he's um <laughs> he's working to get into the NBA now. And yeah, 
you know, he always asked me like, you know, like what, what made you sign certain contracts? And I was like, to be honest, like my parents were still very involved with like my agents. And so they would talk to my agent and my agent, my dad would be like, this is what they came up with. You know, the team is in Poland. And I was like, okay. And I just, <laughs> and like, how was lie, that? Was that like a culture shot? Like, how was that? I did that. Yeah. Every overseas contract that I signed. Like, wow. I, don't, I don't know why. I you don't like, like Google the country first? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how was Poland? Like, how was that? Like, what was that like? So when I Googled Poland, I was like, okay, it's cold. <laughs> um, but, but like the city that I was playing in, I, I didn't realize that it was so, I guess, it was it wasn't so far away but it was a tiny city near a big town or a big city and i thought i was in the big city and uh, i realized when i got there i was like oh no i'm playing in pokovice which is like i mean when i tell you like <laughs> when i tell you like the town is probably not <laughs> even bigger than la live <laughs> oh shit <laughs> like the town itself like, oh my so, gosh but I remember like I had certain memories because as a rookie, you just remember certain things. I remember my dad came and he he helped me move over there. So he stayed with me for like three weeks when I first got over there. And they only give you stick shift cars, at least back back then. Oh, no. And I, I didn't know how to drive a stick. So like oh, my dad shit. spent like a full week teaching me how to drive a stick. And I mean, like it it wasn't, it was stressful. It was stressful because, <laughs> cause I don't know how to drive a stick, but then also too, like my dad, when he teaches stuff, he's like, just do this. And I'm like, I, I'm trying. I <laughs> and, uh, I just remember how stressed I was. And then like for the next two months after that, I would always just hitch a ride with my team, my teammates. Cause I was too scared to drive, <laughs> but Poland was cool. Poland was cool. I, I ended up learning a little bit of the language. Everywhere I go, I try to learn a little bit of the language. So yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. That, but but it wasn't so great that you came back the next year either, right? It was like <laughs> <laughs> you moved on. But it's in you know that is a part of it though, NECA. That you know, I obviously everyone in our world is well aware of uh, our world, meaning you know women's basketball world, right? Um, but I, I'm sure for a lot of our audience, for R two C two, they don't understand that yeah. the WNBA players, a huge huge portion of them. As soon as the season's over here, they're going overseas. And then as soon as that yep. season's over, they're coming, coming back. back. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, NECA, but it seemed like one of the goals of the new CBA that you were at the forefront of negotiating was to create a system here where the women in the WNBA would not feel compelled to have to go overseas, but would be able to have their economic desires needs met by just staying here in the W. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically kind of what we kickstarted, I guess you could say, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, we, we want to be paid more over here so that we don't feel that we have to go overseas. Not that overseas is bad, but like you said, Ryan, like no one wants to play 12 months out of the year. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality. I mean, and and so, the reality of it is like a second job. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you shouldn't be playing a professional sport with a second job. Exactly. Especially when most times, more often than not, the caliber of play here is, it doesn't compare to overseas. Um, so, Me Meaning it's way higher here? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like yeah. The, the W the States, is a w- way b- bigger, yeah. <laughs> better league. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a way bigger, better, better league. And so we want to match that with, you know, our compensation and salary. And so yeah. as an EC, we said, okay, we understand where we want to see this league go. And we need to make compromises. But we can roll that out so that it doesn't jeopardize people's livelihood right away. So what is what we envision as a trend towards prioritizing the league I can understand many players see as a penalty against overseas, but in reality, we want to engage the league and show the league that we have commitment to come and play in the WNBA, be on time, not not leave early, prioritize this league so that we can get the partnerships, the resources to pay us a higher salary over time as we see this, this kind of renewed commitment of us only playing in the WNBA. So we're hoping that like, by the end of this CBA, we'll be able to move even further with that. Not just with prioritizing the league, but especially with if we're going to prioritize and we need to get paid, you know, what we what we know to get paid, you know. So, yeah. it's Cece's a big soccer fan. And as you're talking about that, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, if you are, let's say you're a really good American soccer player, right? And it's like, well, I want to go play in Serie A or the Premier League or whatever it is. And it's like, well, it's better soccer over there, right? MLS has gotten better and better for sure, but it's better soccer over there and more money. Makes sense. The best basketball for women is here. You know, like this league is actually the best league. So yeah, ideally, you don't have to go to a league that the quality is not as good to go make more money than where you're playing where the quality is higher. And right. Yeah, and also get more wear and tear because ultimately that's season is seven months, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then now you're coming into the more competitive league, not just, you know, being paid less, but also more, you know, more tired. Yeah. Yeah. So we we need a change of that. Is there, is that, has there been like pushback from the players about the overseas, like about, you know, people not wanting to go back? Um, Not to my face. (laughs) (laughs) but i would think players will want to stay home though right or or they everybody's just used to going overseas and getting paid more money right no like i mean players do want to stay home and i gotta be up front too even overseas like the market isn't getting better Mm -hmm. so i think people are really trying to figure out okay like how can i really make a living and and then of course with the prioritization that's when we held the teams and the league to a commitment of team marketing agreements and league marketing agreements so these obviously can't go to everyone, but as more players decide to stay at home, okay, if I'm not going overseas, what can I do to make money in this time that I'm staying at home and training? And so it's up on it's up to the teams to negotiate a contract with players who who have off-season, you know, team marketing agreements to be compensated for appearances and promoting their teams and then in the same way the league does the same thing for select players who also decide to stay. So uh. we thought about all of that. And just, Neka, correct, I may have the numbers wrong, but just so our audience understands, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but, like, that could end up manifesting in a way where it's like, in order to stay as one of these team marketing agreements, do some appearances, the team can then pay that player an extra 50 grand or whatever it might be, correct? Right, right, exactly. So the teams have a minimum spend on team marketing agreements in which they can disperse between players depending on what they decide to, you know, contractually agree to. And instead of going overseas, the team can say, okay, we will pay you X amount of money to stay here to train and, and to um, promote the, 
to promote the team. And then the league can also do the same um, with that. So, yeah. You, you know, it's funny. You said the thing about not to my face. And, and as we're talking <laughs> about this, I'm just thinking like, I know that especially on your executive committee, you have, you know, a, a bunch of really smart women who are who are also working with you side by side. Um, and I know there are so many smart women in this league because I encounter them all the times uh, all the time. But I also know that for union presidents, they also are going to get just the most annoying phone calls you could ever imagine or inquisitions because like it, this is really complicated stuff when you're talking about negotiating collective bargaining agreements and full disclosure, mm -hmm. NECA, my father has worked for the NFL on the league side, negotiating CBAs for since I was born for 34 years. And mm -hmm. so I have an appreciation for how ridiculously complicated they are. And I just picture like, how often are you getting a call from a player and you're just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, please, I have to explain this again, please leave me alone. Like, like. To be honest, so like that was kind of like the amount of calls that I was getting was certainly um, during that dead period of not knowing what 2020 was going to look like. Mm -hmm. But quite frankly, like I welcome any calls. I always say no question is a stupid question because I would rather you call and ask me Mm -hmm. then you complain about something and not do anything about it. So mm. at the end of the day, if you have to call me 20 times and ask the same thing over and over again, call me, text Let me, me tell you what's something. at me. Pl yeah. Players are never going to call. They just go complain behind your back. That's just, that's just how it is. See, but that's what I wanted to change as president. That's what I wanted to change as president. Cause I was yeah. like, we need it. Cause I was one of those players. Yeah. I yeah. was like, I was like, why can't things change? F mm -hmm. this. Yeah. And, and we're not, and we're not doing, we're not answering the emails. We're not looking at our messages. Like, okay, well, that's why like sometimes like when I'm on the calls with players and they'll ask, like, okay, does anyone have any input? I'll just say, like, all right, cool. Looks like you guys like the CBA the way it is. So we won't change a damn thing. And then that's <laughs> everybody, every, everybody starts talking. <laughs> No, nah, you got you got to get the attention. Like players, I mean, to. yeah, we'll just keep going along. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and you guys did some amazing things with this last CBA. I mean the the I mean, the the way that the uh, finances increased obviously was a, a huge focus, and understandably so. And and you know, I, it, and rightfully so. But I I I also think about this, Neca. Like even you, right? You're a senior in college. <laughs> You're about to be the top pick in the draft. And it wasn't yet necessarily like a career path in your mind. And that's something I actually do believe. And I was having this conversation with Sue Bird the other day about like kind of more collegiate players and the women's side of basketball, like understanding what a legitimate career path basketball is, right? Because I think so often it gets compared to NBA contracts, right? But like, what about just in a general like workforce? You know, I mean, you are now okay between playing in the W and overseas. There is like real visuals to making, you know, two three hundred thousand dollars as a twenty two, twenty three year old a year. I mean, how many fields are you diving into where you're immediately making that money, right? And then also, as you continue to grow it, you know, it's only going to go up from here. So that hopefully, ten years from now, we're talking about the first pick in the draft for the WNBA making a million in her basketball contract and then marketing and who knows, you know, and I, I, I feel like, I feel like that's an education that 
like still needs to happen with college players, you know, understanding how viable the career path is in this sport. Am I, am I, uh, d- d- does it feel like that's true? Like these, these young, young women still need to understand how, how legitimate this is as a career. Yeah. I mean, like you're speaking to my experience because like, I didn't know these things. And so yeah. it wasn't even as though I was disrespecting the league. I actually did not know. So mm. how can you, how can a league that is looking to draft me number one be something that I don't know about? Right. Like that's, there's a, there's, there's a fundamental issue there. And I think that um, it's on players like us, players like me and Sue to make changes, knowing that it's not going to affect us mm-hmm. and players seeing that in their vets in the players that have come before them to sustain that and to, and to dream for that. And I think you're absolutely right. Like we have to educate ourselves. We have to educate each other and we have to hold, you know, these, corporations and partnerships and businesses accountable to sustaining the league because I'm tired of people saying, well, what else do you guys need to do? I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations in 10 years have I heard, do we need to change jerseys? Do we need to move the three point line? I'm like, why are we trying to change the game? Yeah. Yeah. Why are we trying to change the game? I don't understand that we're doing what needs to be done. So now we need the people who need it, who have the, who have the means to do the work, whose responsibility it is to do the work to expand the league, to expand the league. Because right now, I would even say that we're lifting more than most people would expect with what we do on the social front even. Oh, so it's yeah. kind of like, oh, we're no, making it are... making it easy for them to figure out who can align with us for us to be able to create that million dollar contract that I know for sure I'm going to be more than alive to witness because mm-hmm. that's going to happen. And it, it's going to happen soon. It's just a matter of like who realizes what we need to do to do that. Yeah, because it's also, NECA, like like you just said, the basketball doesn't need tweaking. The basketball is great. It's just a matter of like having the other support and investment in the sport because the game is great. I mean, I see it with people in my life, my family members who, you know, they had never necessarily watched the WNBA. They started watching because I'm doing the games and then they're like, oh my gosh, this is great. I love this, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it is great, you know? Like, <laughs> it, it, it is great. The basketball is incredible. These women are incredible. And so I do feel like it's like, you guys have the product there. It's just a matter of continuing to, you know, have the right partners invest in the right. product. Because I do think when the eyes see it, they are pleased. Right, absolutely. And I mean, like, this is an example of an investment. You know, there's people on this platform who don't know who I am. Yeah. And I'm here talking to you guys. Right. And it takes and it takes it takes guys like you and people who you work for the WNBA in a lot of ways, Ryan. And like now you have family members that not even because they are fans of basketball, but because they know you that they now right. watch. And it's those small things that can really change the league. You know, a lot of the people back home here who I went to high school with watched the WNBA because I played in Houston, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, that's, I mean, if you think about all sports, whether it's baseball, basketball, I mean, there's people who probably don't even know the sport of baseball, but they're a Yankees fan because that's where they're from. Yeah. You know, and so developing, developing that investment investment doesn't always mean money. It most times means just accountability and awareness, really. Like in what way are you connected to the WNBA? You know, like, do you have a sister who likes to play basketball? Do you have a sister who likes to play sports? Not even just basketball. You know, you have your daughter, CC. Like, 
she she's into it, you know? And so it's, it just takes acknowledging that you have people that are connected to this and bringing that awareness and naturally it'll just grow. But I think that you said the key is like you, you said, you know, players like you and Sue making that sacrifice, knowing that, you know, it won't affect you guys. And, and that's the biggest thing because people will follow after that. You know, players right. watching you guys make sacrifices and step up and, and be the biggest voices in this fight, knowing that you will never see a piece of this pie inspires the younger kids, too, for sure. Yeah, that's that's why we do what we do. Everybody, really. And, and Neka, you also talked about, and it's something CeCe and I have talked about uh, a lot on this pod, and then we talked about last week as well with Renee Montgomery, um, just the the incredible uh, investment that you all have made um, as players and then as a league uh, on mm-hmm. the social justice front. Um, and uh, and I, I saw an interesting quote from you recently where you you said, I don't love the word activism. I like humanism more to describe what what we do. And, and I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if you could explain to our audience what you mean when you say that and kind of like how you see the, the league and its position in society when it comes to you know making change. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that um, especially in America, we have this thing with like categorizing everything, needing to label stuff, <laughs> yeah. needing to needing to ism everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, maybe it's just how I think about it or even kind of leaning more on, on like just my own upbringing. But I've, I've always just been raised to like be the best person that I can be. And so when when people refer to the WNBA or even me as like, you, you know, you're an activist and I'm just kind of like, but isn't this what everyone's supposed to be doing? Like, shouldn't everyone care about Black lives? Shouldn't everyone care about women? You know, shouldn't everyone empower women in sport? And so I see it more as a humanistic approach, you know, like we naturally it becomes activism because I, I think activism a lot of times in it, there's this undertone of politicizing whatever it is that you're doing. And, you know, as WBA players, we're born into <laughs> politics because we're women and we're mostly black. And so whether we like it or not, whatever we stand up for is going to be political because history has shown that um, things have been constructed to work against us, you know? Um, So when we come out and we speak and we use our platforms and we try to affect change to the world, of course, that is perceived as activism, but ultimately it's just, it's just equity, you know, in its rawest form, you know? And I think that that's just a simple concept that a lot of people don't seem to understand. You know, I'll say it again, even just being a woman doing what I do to have myself on this platform. That's not activism. You guys are just, you're, you're being you, you're doing your job. You're doing what you would do for anybody else, you know, and, and seeing everyone from that lens, I think is really will hopefully kind of embed this perception um, that, that allows people to think differently and not just do differently. I like that perspective. I also think NECA, you know, I mentioned we talked to Renee and, and, and she took the path of not playing last year. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now retiring, she is, you know, uh, a, a lot of different reasons for that, obviously, but she talked about how, you know, that was her path, but like for how she wanted to, enact change, invest in mm-hmm. social justice, et cetera. But like, let's not act like that is the only path. Like, look mm-hmm. at what the women who were down in Bradenton did while they're playing. Yeah, exactly. 
And I, and I'm wondering kind of your perspective of your decision to play last year and seeing it manifest and how playing and the league, you know, having that platform, how you, how you feel like it maybe helped to amplify your message. Yeah. Um, you know, even like what was interesting was like, as I was helping plan, you know, as an EC, we had all these meetings and we had to talk to the players and then talk to the board of governors and Kathy and figure out exactly what we needed to make last year work. In all of that, it came down to, you know, a week or so before the bubble. And someone had finally asked me like, well, how do you feel about all this? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you really want me to tell you? <laughs> and like, I'm someone who's been there every step of the way, you know? So like I was feeling for the players when they didn't know what they were walking into. And quite frankly, even with me being a part of the process, I didn't know what I was walking into, but I did, I did know that us amplifying our voices and using our platforms was a non-negotiable. We didn't know what that would look like. And mm-hmm. we ended up facing challenges that we never thought we would, we would need to, but preparing actually going back to 16 when we stood for social change and then preparing through negotiating negotiation of the CBA and the negotiation of a bubble, it led, it culminated to this moment in which there was just this camaraderie and this understanding that we had intrinsically. And then of course, experientially when we were all in the bubble, because we were all like a part of this group, but now we were low key, like you had to be there. So like that really unified us. And it, I mean, I, it exceeded my expectations, what we were able to do while we were in the bubble, obviously having a safe and healthy season. Mm-hmm. Um, but then of course, engaging with our community and with our fans and with the media in ways that was truly historical that I will, I, no one can ever give that, give that to me the way that I experienced it. You know, Neka, I, I think um, I mean, there's like a million things that we could talk to you about. I know you have uh, big, important meetings coming up. So <laughs> I, I just one thing I want to double back to, because I do think like the, the playing overseas thing is fascinating to our audience. Mm-hmm. Just like the whole me Pol- too. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, <laughs> the Poland thing. I can see you eating it up, Cece. Like, you know, it's like it, it, it really is. You know, it, it's hilarious. And And the other places you played. Are interesting spots too. I mean, Russia, China. Yeah. Like when you think about, is there? I, I don't love putting somebody on the spot for like, give me a funny story about Russia or, or China. But is there <laughs> anything? Either is there a story that comes to mind that just is ridiculous or encapsulates the experience, or just like how you would paint the picture of what it's like playing in those two countries? Um. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Their stories, but I don't know how many. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, it's all fair I'm game sure. on this podcast. It's all fair game. <laughs> I will say this. I The most bizarre experience I had, I won't say what country, but okay. I will say this. The most bizarre experience I had was when I was in in this country and I went to dinner with two of my teammates, two of which who played in the, in the WNBA. And, um, we we looked like foreigners. We were just crossing the street, obeying normal traffic laws. And the officers there felt that we, to be honest, we were just walking while being black. And and they attempted to like pull us into their cop car in front of our hotel. And I was like, this is not happening. And this was literally the day before 
we were supposed to go home. What? Yeah. And I was like, this is not happening. And so one of my teammates basically fought off two of the officers by herself. Oh (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's a crazy Uh, story. Off the record, Ryan, I'll tell you who it was. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But that, yeah. So we were basically accosted by two of the officers just because they saw people that they didn't think belonged where they were. And yeah. Whoa. I laugh about it now because the cops were like, they were like very out of shape and they didn't know (laughs) what they were doing. Like, (laughs) but it was just one of those experiences. Like, like people would actually not believe this if I told this story. Oh, man, I'm sure gosh, you got so crazy. many yeah. crazy stories like that, man. That's, That's the first crazy. time I've ever told that story out loud. So hey, <laughs> we appreciate that you brought it to R2C2. For sure. We seriously appreciate that. Now, before we let you go uh, to your meeting, are you going to have to come back sometime? Because yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this, this has been wonderful. Um, I, I have to ask you, have you ever seen One Tree Hill, the show? No. <laughs> I I didn't watch it, but I know what the show is. You know what the show is, okay? I know what the show is. Yeah. I, I just wa- I just wanted to. So CC he lost a Super Bowl bet to me. I'm making him watch the entire first season as a result, and he's gonna have to comment on it. So my pod. my rule on TV is I don't watch any shows that don't have no black people in it. So obviously no, but, I've never seen this yet. So we'll see how break it. your rule. <laughs> My no, rules there, out the there, fucking window there now. Is, there, there is, I will say, it's not, it's not a totally well diversified cast, but it's not completely white either. See, so it's like, it's like kind of middle ground here. But my I, rule for forty years, my rules oh out the window my God. now. I just, neck. I just wanted to check in case you had any advice for C as he goes Absolutely into that, bro. It, I could answer that for you. She ain't seen that shit, and no, nobody watches that shit, bro. <laughs> I am so sorry. Cheney's po- watched it. So oh, that's oh see? See? See, see, see? You didn't, you didn't know. Uh, NECA, you, you are amazing. Thank you for spending all this time. Uh, you know, I mean, the the credentials are amazing and what you've done in this league and what you've done off, off the court. Obviously, all of your engagement in, in, in social justice, but as the, the, you know, president of the PA, I think we're going to see your hard work really resonate for so many years for this league. Uh, and I appreciate you giving our audience some insight into all of that. And I hope we have you on again sometime soon. Thank you. I would love to be back. CC was great to meet you. Ryan, I hope I get to see you in person this year. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Give me that vaccine. I'm ready to go. I'm ready right. to go. I'm ready right. to go. Seriously. Thank you, Thank you NECA. <laughs> Thank you so much. See, I think NECA sold you. As soon as you could travel again, you're going to Poland. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I want to know who, who who fought off the two cops, guys. Man, you gotta how let about me know when she tells you offline. Yeah, that's wild. Wow, how about I that? I bet you story? she's got some crazy stories of being overseas, bro. Like, I couldn't imagine being a young black woman. It sounds crazy. Being a young black woman playing overseas, like. Shit has to be had to be wild, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, China, sure. Russia, and fucking Poland. Like, man, it's crazy, bro. I'm gonna DM Neck and see who that was. Yes, who please. Fought, <laughs> who, who, who fought off the cops overseas? That was a crazy story. And Neck is amazing. Uh, you guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Uh, bonus episodes thrown in as well. You know, continue to spread the word. You guys know we have our new home, the Ringer, uh, which is if you've stumbled upon us now. 
make sure you know it's a different feed from where we used to be. So tell everybody you know who you know loves the pod. Um, follow us on Spotify. Download wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you uh, next Thursday, if not before. See? You go enjoy One Tree Hill. <laughs> Peace. Peace.